Hey everybody, welcome to Bus Call, the podcast dedicated to the touring industry professionals and their stories. My name is Ryan Goldbacher and I'm going to be your host. In these interviews, we're going to break down how touring professionals got into the industry, advice they have for up-and-comers, and awesome stories from the road. For more info, visit us at show-logistics.com and click on the Bus Call podcast at the top of the page. Hey everybody, welcome to Bus Call by Show Logistics. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than normal. As you guys probably know, there was a leaked Live Nation letter that went out to a lot of agents and managers over the past couple weeks, and I just kind of wanted to go over that. I have talked to a couple friends of mine that are a little more knowledgeable about what happened and how it all went down, uh, and I do know that they walked back a lot of what they put in there just because it was some of it was pretty ridiculous and prohibitively uh, expensive for, for some of the smaller acts to, uh, to deal with. So I kind of wanted to talk about that. I don't really know what they pulled out, but I do want to talk about the letter, and I am going to put a link to it in the show notes. Rolling Stone published an article about it. It's a pretty good read, so you guys should take a look at that. So I'm just kind of going to start from the beginning. And before I even get started, I, I want to say the people at Live Nation are incredible. They're some of the best techs. They're some of the best house managers in the world. And they are really, really good at what they do. But <laughs> the top brass seems to be a little bit out of touch with this. And I'm sure some lawyer that didn't really understand how, how artists think you know, and, and react to stuff like this probably wrote this up. But you know, they should have been a little more aware of... of the uh, tone of their letter and what they were actually asking. So I will say this, before you take any of my advice, I am not an expert on any of this. Um, I have talked to a few experts, but you know, take what I say with a grain of salt. And before you do anything, talk to your manager, talk to your agent, make sure you guys are all on the same page before you do anything I say I would do. If I'm in a bad situation, if I want to tell a promoter off or whatever like that, or kind of stick up for my artist, you know, I'll text the agent, I'll text the manager, say, hey man, you know, I'm going to move forward on this unless you got a problem with it. And, uh, you know, you just want to make sure you're on the same page with them to have cover. And then make sure you talk to your artist to uh, bring up the relevant information. You know, they don't want, they never want to know everything. But at the end of the day, you don't work for Live Nation. Management doesn't work for Live Nation. The agent doesn't work for Live Nation. They work for the artist, and that's the person that's actually bringing the value. And I also want to say it's a little unclear from this letter whether or not this applies to just festivals or if it applies to festivals and normal venue concerts uh, where people are buying a hard ticket for the artist. From what it, how it reads, it talks a lot about festival situations, so I think that's all it's about, but I never really got a clear answer on that. Right off the bat, the letter starts out with just saying, hey, you know, uh, with the global pandemic, everything's kind of been crazy and, uh, you know, our business model model is going to have to change a little bit. Uh, and uh, we're, we're outlining, you know, what we're going to do for 2021 or upcoming festivals. So, you know what, that's completely fair. You know, who knows what's going to happen? There's a lot of unknowns in the world right now. Who knows what tomorrow is going to bring? So that's absolutely a reasonable thing to say. Things are going to change. So right off the bat, it says artist guarantees will be adjusted downward 20% from 2020 levels. So the first thing it says is artist guarantees. Artist guarantees will be adjusted downward 20% from 2020 levels. I don't have a problem with that at all. Things are kind of up in the air. Who knows how many people are going to be at these festivals and stuff like that. The issue is you should never, ever, ever let a promoter tell you what you're worth. It should always be a negotiation because they're always going to tell you you're worth less than you're worth. You know, and it's it's not a good habit to be in because you're going to cost yourself some money. Now, if they offer you a fair price, you know what? Take it. It it makes a lot of sense. 
the value you add is up to you, not up to the promoter. Don't be afraid to stick up for yourself there. When the contract's done and, and everything's signed, it is what it is. But they shouldn't be telling you you're going to take a 20% cut. They should say, hey, we request that everybody take a 20% cut. Some of the headliners are just going to say no. It's not worth it if we do that. And they're going to just go on to the next promoter that uh, that's willing to pay them, you know, a 10% cut or whatever like that. But it's a perfectly reasonable request. I don't think there's there's too many people that would deny that. But don't let them decide how much you're worth. So the next thing is ticket prices. Ticket prices are set by the promoter at the promoter's sole discretion and are subject to change. This is totally cool in a festival situation. It's impossible to do a back-end deal in a, or a points deal in a festival situation just because you know there could be 40 bands on the bill, uh, 20,000 people there, who knows. Uh, and it's impossible to know who bought a ticket for what because a lot of people probably bought a ticket to watch several different bands. So you know your guarantee is just your guarantee. I do have a problem with that when it comes to a regular headline show because the artist should have say in how much the tickets are going to cost. Live Nation needs to understand that people aren't coming to see Live Nation. They're coming to see whatever artist they book. You know, and there's a lot of value in what Live Nation does, but at the end of the day, nobody's coming to an empty room. They're coming to see your artist, and the value needs to be agreed upon between the promoter and the artist. Um, and a lot of people don't realize this, but like, there's a lot of back-end ways that, that Live Nation makes money. They own Ticketmaster, so there's the selling fees off that. There's also other things that they, they do to kind of you know, weasel some money out of that. And it's a little, it's, they're transparent about it, but you know, it's a little bit weaselly, if you know what I'm saying. And there's plenty of promoters out there that don't do that kind of stuff. Um, but that being said, generally Live Nation's guarantees are a little bit higher. So it might be worth it in that sense. And they also book a lot more shows, but this is a little bit touchy to me because I, I just don't believe that Live Nation should be solely responsible for setting the ticket prices. It should be a negotiated thing between the agent and Live Nation. So payment terms, you know, 10% a month before. They've been doing that forever. That's pretty normal. Uh, streaming requirements. So this is a little bit interesting. You know, obviously a lot of people have been getting into the streaming side of things. So I have no problem with this if the artist is fine with it. You know, it's another way to make money, especially if you can't be at full capacity at a festival or, or a venue. Uh, what I do have a problem with is as a front of house engineer, I'm not going to be doing that for free. Um, you can decide for yourself if you want to give them that, but that is something I'm going to charge for. And I don't care who I charge you. If the artist wants to pay for it, if Live Nation wants to pay for it, uh, it doesn't matter. It's just business. And the reason I do that is because I want to, number one, it's business. I'm, I'm providing something extra beyond the scope. But two, I, I want to make sure that I do a separate mix for the stream because just coming off a of matrix uh, which is basically just giving the house feed to a stream. It always sounds terrible. You guys have probably seen, you know, these people do these shows, and it just doesn't sound good, and I don't want my name attached to that. The mix is creatively my property, so I can charge for that if I want to. Now, like I said, I don't care who who, who pays for it, but uh, I do want to get compensated for it, and you can set your own rate. You can decide to do it for free. It's totally up to you, but I won't be doing it for free just because it's worth something. So billing, all discretions regarding, quote, festival billing, end quote, are the sole discretion of the promoter. That's sort of always been the case, uh, it, you know, but with, when you're a headlining act, like say your Foo Fighters or your Beyonce or something, you know, you should have a little more discretion all over how you're billed. Probably they're going to end up conceding on that. I think this is more of just a blanket statement that covers most artists. Um, and, you know, if you're down on the totem pole, if you're not headlining, you know, you don't have too much leverage as far as that goes. You know, you give them your logo and they're probably going to be reasonable on this because a lot of times you'll find a misspelling or something like that. And they're, you know, Live Nation will, will most likely 
be pretty responsible with this, but at the end of the day, you know, the artist's name is the artist, and they need to protect that, and Live Nation doesn't care about your artist's name as much as you or your artist does. So it's a good thing to remember, and don't be afraid to say, hey, uh, you know, we're at a venue, and uh, I, I remember I was working with this band Striking Matches, and we went to a venue, and uh, there was a misspelling on every single piece of promo information that went out, and it said Sturking Matches. And it wasn't a Live Nation gig, but you know we made them take everything down that day, and it was a uh, it was a pretty big uh, pretty big deal. So you know, don't let them push you around on that. And that's probably not what they're talking about here, but you know, it's a uh, it's a good thing to keep your eye open for in general. Almost every artist I've worked with, they've somebody's put a typo in there, and it's generally been an accident. But you know, you don't want them to say, oh, they they don't care that you know they spelled something wrong or anything like that. Uh, so merchandise. Uh, the purchaser will retain 30% of the merchandise sales and send 70% to the artist two weeks following the festival. Uh, so that's pretty standard for a festival. I don't like that they're sending the check. I think they should cut the check that day. I don't really think that's fair or give you cash or whatever. Uh, just because uh, like some of the artists I work with, they don't have business managers. Essentially, if you're out on tour and you tell them to send uh, send the check to to somebody, who knows when they're going to be there again to to pick up the check? It's one thing if they've got a business manager or somebody with a with a larger management company that can kind of process that, and, and at least you can mail the check there. And when the artist gets back, they can deposit it. Uh, but the smaller acts like that are, aren't going to be able to afford to front all that money to Live Nation. In effect, they're loaning Live Nation that money for two weeks. You know, it's just not fair, and it's not right now. Don't get me started in a regular concert situation where you're a headlining act and there's just two other acts on the bill. The whole notion of a venue taking anything infuriates me. <laughs> there's some value there, but you know, 30% is ridiculous. Um, you know, especially when then they're all, they're also tacking on taxes and they're probably including taxes in, in that 30%, um, when it comes to a festival, but you know, they'll, they'll tack on taxes, they'll tack on all these extra little fees and stuff like that. And it's, you know, you got to pay that stuff, but you, you know, at the end of the day, you're paying almost 40% of your merch cut, you know, barely making any money on it. And it's, it's just not cool. You know, in a festival situation, I get it. It makes a little more sense because they're selling for you. They're doing a lot more work and it's, it's actually kind of nice to have just hand off a box of merch and let them deal with it. But on tour, I really don't think it's fair for them to take anything, especially from the opening acts. Cause you know that's the way they eat. <laughs> I mean the uh, the last tour we did, you know the the uh, opening act was making a couple hundred bucks a night, and you know there was six seven people in that band. They all had to eat. They all had to get taken care of. They had to get hotels and stuff like that. And it's just you know taking that much money, it, it, I think is completely unfair. And there's plenty of promoters that don't take anything. And you know what? If you want to take twenty percent, I you know I don't I don't think that's fair, but I don't think that's unreasonable. Uh, and definitely not 30% on the recorded stuff because nobody makes money on recorded things anyway. Next thing is airfare and accommodations. You know, whatever. That's going to be in the contract anyway. Usually that's uh, that's on the artist, unless you're the headliner, you know, which they're going to just negotiate anyway. So sponsorship. I kind of think this is ridiculous and unenforceable. If you know anything about creative people, you know the easiest way to get them to do something is to tell them not to do it. Um, and if you have an endorsement for XYZ brand, uh, and I go to an artist and say, Hey, you can't say that on stage, you know, 
Some of them, some of them will respect that. A lot of them won't. The sponsorships in a lot of situations can can make or break a tour, and if you aren't able to leverage that sponsorship in a setting where it's going to be in front of a lot of people. Uh, you're probably not going to get the sponsorship in the first place. Now, I totally get it if you're doing a festival and it's sponsored by Nike and uh, you're, you know, you're sponsored by Adidas. You know, you probably need to have that a clause in the contract there that says, "Hey, you can't do that." But if there's no conflicting interest, it's not reasonable to expect that of an artist. Um, you know, and and what does that mean too? I mean, there's probably you know, they're probably going to dig more into it. But let's say an artist has a Fender deal and, and the festival sponsored by Gibson. Are they going to make them play all Les Pauls? You know, it's just not going to work. So, you know, that's something to consider. I mean, there's there's reasonable ways around that. But I think that they should, um, you know, they should give a little more leeway as far as that goes, as long as there's no conflicting interests and stuff like that. Uh, just because, you know, that's that, that can be a good chunk of revenue for a uh, tour and it, you know it's the difference between people having enough money to eat and not so radius clause yeah whatever that's pretty standard uh insurance so it says the artist is required to maintain their own cancellation insurance as the promoter is not responsible for artist fee in the event of cancellation due to the festival due to, due to weather and or force majeure so that's going to be impossible for a baby act to pay for, especially with COVID going on. It's it's going to be prohibitively expensive, and they're not going to have any opening acts if they actually uh, enforce that route. Now, the, I want to talk about the difference between force majeure and, and weather-related uh, things, and... Um, so just kind of go through it. I did a really good interview with uh, Ben Mench over at APA, and and we inadvertently got into talking about force majeure. So if you get a chance, go over there, and, and he kind of goes into the details of what force majeure is and uh, the difference between that and weather-related or act of God-related, uh, act of nature-related um, cancellation. So force majeure, basically, some kind of state of emergency needs to be declared, declared by a government. So for instance, COVID-19, essentially all the artists had to give all their deposits back or they just in a force majeure situation, no matter what, everybody gets their money back from the artist. In a weather situation, most contracts say if the artist is ready, willing, and able to play, and the show gets canceled because of hazardous weather, they still are guaranteed the guarantee. They still get whatever they would have got paid for that. And promoters will have uh, insurance in this case. So if there's a foul weather thing, you know, and you cannot play, you can't get on stage because it's not safe. They will cancel the show, and you will get paid. And what this is saying, the the onus is now on the the band to pay for that themselves. That's going to be a hurdle that Baby X cannot overcome. And my thought is, and I don't really know if this is true. Take take this with, with a grain of salt, but I I got a feeling Live Nation's mo here is they're going to say, well, listen, I know you guys don't have it, but we'll take another ten percent out of your check, and you can buy uh, cancellation insurance from us or from whatever company we're with, and whatever. So I, I've got sneaking suspicion that that's uh, what they're doing, and uh, I've had, uh, I've had it's never been for uh, cancellation insurance, but I have had promoters take that out for um, liability insurance and stuff like that. So Cancellation by artist. If an artist cancels a performance in breach of the agreement, the artist will pay their promoter two times the artist's fee. So cancellation by artist. This is tricky. It basically says if you cancel the show, you owe twice what the artist guarantee was. 
initially for the show. So the artist would have, so let's say your guarantee is $10,000. If you cancel the show in breach of the agreement, you have to pay Live Nation $20,000. I get the point here, uh, but that's insane. <laughs> no artist is going to be taking that risk. Uh, there's so many reasons you might cancel a show. You know, uh, there are just too many to list. And if, uh, you know, you don't want to want to put an artist in a situation where like let's say a family member dies and they can't come to the show because there's no there's no clause in the contract about things like that at least i don't think there is and then they got to pay double what they would have got paid to to go to a funeral um and i don't think live nation would be that heartless but it's there's just so many reasons that's a terrible thing that nobody will go for so, uh, you know, just unreasonable to expect an artist to pay that, especially a baby artist who probably just doesn't have the money. Uh, you know, if the van breaks down or whatever. It's There's so many reasons you kept, might have to cancel the show uh, in breach of the agreement. And you know what? You shouldn't get paid, but you shouldn't have to pay the promoter for the convenience of canceling your show. It's ridiculous. So, uh, cancellation due to poor sales. If a show is canceled due to poor sales, the artist will receive 25% of the guarantee. I have no problem with this. That's that's reasonable. If the tickets aren't selling, you know, because we don't know if tickets are going to sell, that's a pretty fair statement. The only thing is, I wouldn't. I would want to make sure there's some kind of clause in there that says that decision needs to be made a month before, um, and maybe if it's made two weeks before the they get 50% of the guarantee, whatnot. That way you're not walking up to the gig and they cancel the show and they only give you, you know, 25% of whatever you were uh, guaranteed because you, you know, if it's a festival, you already flew there and you're already out all that money. So 25% is about what it would cost you to get to the gig anyway. So, you know, I think that's, that's a fair thing, but you need to give some kind of clause in there that says this needs to happen at least a month before, at least three weeks before or whatever, just to make sure that the artist doesn't uh, already spend all that money that they needed to get to the gig. So force majeure. So like I said, you need to guys, you guys need to check out my um, podcast I did with uh, Ben Minch. It's called What the Hell is Force Majeure? Ben talks a little bit about what force majeure is. But, uh, you know, this is... This is uh, pretty pretty reasonable given the, the circumstances with uh, COVID-19. If an artist's performance is canceled due to an event of force majeure, including a pandemic similar to COVID-19, the promoter will not pay the artist's fees. The artist is responsible for obtaining any cancellation insurance for these performances. So that's not unreasonable at all. Essentially, force majeure is something that nobody has any control over, and a perfect example is a global pandemic like this there's nothing anybody can do about it you know what it sucks but it's the reality of it and it's i think it's fair and it's, it's already in most contracts anyway so that's not a huge huge thing so inability to use venue at full capacity essentially what this is saying is the promoter has the right to cancel the event if the venue or the, a government entity decides that they can't be at full capacity I don't have too much of an issue with this, but I think there needs to be some kind of clause in there that says that needs to happen at least a month before, at least in the promoters, uh, in the venue's um, situation. If the venue decides that, it's tough to say because it is a health thing. You know, we don't want anybody to get sick, but there needs to be some kind of guarantee there that the artist is going to get something if the show is going to get canceled, especially if it's like a day before. You know, if a government entity does it, there's nothing you can do about it. But I would say if there's some kind of time clause in there, for instance, a month or two weeks or something, so there's there's an opportunity to 
to kind of mitigate that. Um, I would say that's the way to go. If but you can't expect an artist to show up and right before they walk on stage say, "Oh, the the event's canceled." So uh, and then at the end, it kind of says, "Hey, we're fully aware of the significance of this," and blah 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 blah. Thank you for your understanding. You know, they're not aware of the significance of this. It's it's some of this stuff is so prohibitive that it's not right. And it's, you know, they gotta, I know they walked a lot of stuff back, but this is, some of this stuff is just unreasonable and it's unsustainable for a smaller artist. And it's not cool. And my advice is, I've been in situations, you know, you never want to ever do anything like this without talking to your manager and your agent first. Because baby artists, you know, you kind of got to give, you get what you're given. Bigger artists, you know, you have a little more leverage. So you just got to have a clear plan with your management but don't be afraid of Live Nation. I've gone toe-to-toe with them before. They they do believe that they're the end-all, be-all, but they're such a small part. They're the biggest, but they're such a small sliver of the great promoters out there uh, and great talent buyers out there that were really able to do a good job. And if, you know, the last tour I did, I think we did maybe five Live Nation shows, and we didn't have to do Live Nation shows. It just kind of was convenient. You know, they paid pretty good. But, you know, sometimes you got to say, hey, Live Nation, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. And they'll get the message. And then don't be afraid, you know, if, if you think your artist is getting screwed over by them, to say something. I mean, at the end of the day, the person you're dealing with didn't make the deal. The person you're settling with didn't make the deal. So there might not be anything you can do, but, you know, voice your opinion uh, and say, listen, I don't think this is cool. I think you guys are kind of, you know, messing around with me here. I don't, you know, if, if the terms of the agreement aren't met, it's not going to hurt anything, and you don't need to be afraid of Live Nation. That's a big thing. They're not as powerful as people think they are. They're not the end-all, be-all. They're just another promoter, and you can easily have a career without doing a single Live Nation event. It's not as big of a thing as people think it is. But anyway, so guys, uh, let me know what you think about that. You can uh, you can tweet me at uh, Ryan Goldbacher. You can find me on Instagram at Show Logistics Sound. And if you Facebook search show-logistics.com, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, let me know what you think about this. If you disagree with me, tell me if you think I'm right you know, flatter my ego and let me know. You can also go to show-logistics.com and you can pick up some merch if you want to support the podcast. We got some hats, some shirts, and some hoodies that are out there. And, uh, you know, if you like the podcast, that's the best way to support us right now. So guys, thank you so much. Please keep in touch and please like, share, and subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Uh, It really helps the podcast out and share with a friend. Until next time, I'm Ryan Goldbacher and thank you for listening to Bus Call. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to Bus Call. If you like the podcast, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit us at patreon.com slash buscall. Patreon members will get the podcast a week before it's released to the public, and they can also sign up to have advance notice of who's going to be on and the opportunity to ask questions. Please take some time to visit show-logistics.com. We've dedicated the first page to sell merch to raise money for Crew Nation's Global Relief Fund. As you know, with COVID-19, basically all touring has stopped for the foreseeable future, and there's thousands and thousands of crew out of work, and we're donating all the profits, many of the merch sold there, straight to Crew Nation. Thanks so much again, and please rate, review, and subscribe.